I'd like to invite three people to bring to us our next reading. Not, well, you are reading at the same time, but just different characters in our dialogue Bible reading. So I'd like to invite them to bring the reading from John's Gospel, John 4, beginning at verse 3. Jenny, you have this. Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sechar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone in town into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did also his sons and his livestock? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty I have to keep coming here to draw water. Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I know that Messiah called Jesus is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who took who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But they said to him, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. 
I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in, in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. thinking about you as a Samaritan woman, Jenny. It's, it's the bench in Birchwood Mall, isn't it? Shame they don't have a well there, but yes, we do have uh, the modern-day equivalent in Birchwood. Now, I was quite excited, you know, because I don't know if you've ever done this. When you're going to meet somebody, you Google them. And I Googled Marty Woods, and he's a celebrated rodeo cowboy born in Calgary in 1933. Doesn't he look amazing? For... <laughs> somebody who is of that vintage yeah. <laughs> so it's fantastic to welcome you and I, I understand I actually got it wrong I understand that you're not from Calgary but what's an Aussie doing over yeah, here in Birchwood that's, that's uh, what we want to know okay well um, yeah we've uh, Jenny and I uh, work with a Christian youth and community organization called Fusion we started in Australia 50 years ago and um, we had 30 centers around Australia and we just had this dream of reaching Australia but God just had other ideas and so 10 years ago we were the first people from Australia to move over here and so we, we moved to near Oxfordshire and, um, and now we're in 17 countries around the world and so I'm responsible for Fusion Europe uh, and Fusion's a, it's pretty, it's great, it's a small group of friends who just love each other and love their community and want to see the kingdom come. And so we do youth cafes and community festivals and a whole range of things. We actually own a whole village in Australia. You Google that one. <laughs> We've set it up as a place to care for young people at risk. It's an amazing place. Ever you come to Australia, you've got to come and see our village. It's a remarkable place. And so we, we all live by faith and we trust God. And he's, he's remarkable how he looks after us. But particularly why we're here is uh, during the Olympic Games... In Sydney in 2000, we wanted to find a way, how could we help the church to be at the centre of the celebration? And so we had been running these community festivals and on opening night we had a quarter of a million people turn up to our festivals and one church alone saw 50 new people the next Sunday. We kept winning community events, uh, winning community events of the year. We just got a taste of how the church could use a moment and uh, God... God just came and did something and then we got invited to Greece and so Jenny and I lived in Greece, that wasn't too hard, in 2004. <laughs> oh, it's a trial. Yeah, I know, I know. And then we lived there for the Olympics and then we moved to Germany and we lived there for the World Cup and again, just helped the church to move into the community and then we were involved in Beijing and the World Cup in South Africa 
But we were living in Germany and some people from More Than Gold, which was the group that was the overarching group for um, the Olympic outreach last year, said, come on, we think it's right for you to move to London. And so last year, what a year it was, eh? Oh, wasn't <laughs> it? It, was, it was an incredible time. And you know what? I'm really proud to say that the church was at the heart of the community. So we did two things last year. One was with hope that I'm going to tell you about in a moment. We helped run, you know, street parties. And our job in Fusion is how do we build community? You know, what do you say after you say hello at your street party? So we just tried to develop all these ideas. Well, we had 200,000 downloads from the Hope website and eight and a half million people last year turned up. And I love it. You Brits turned up. It was yeah. raining. <laughs> I don't know what it was like up here, but certainly in London, it was wet. But it was the church. We were so there in the moment of celebration. And then with the Olympics last year, 1% of the nation turned up for our community festivals. And I want to tell you, our church, I, I've got so many stories and I don't have time, but i just, I tell you a story that happened at our church, West Croydon Baptist Church. We'd, uh, you know, a lovely group of people, but they hadn't done a lot of mission. So because we were going there, they said, okay, we'll, we'll trust you. And so we did a festival. We did a festival on the Saturday afternoon, messy church on the Sunday morning, and then a festival in the afternoon. And we've done messy church every month. And you know, the last four months, we've seen 40 new people join our church. But not only that, we did the festival a couple of weekends ago with Pentecost in the middle of an estate and five, 600 people who would never, ever come to church came not just to our festival, but came to our messy church. And our church, the other day, you couldn't get a seat. You know, like God's on the move. And so that's why we're here. We want to be part of... God's kingdom coming here in the United Kingdom. I mean, this afternoon, this afternoon everybody's welcome, by the way, at half three, there's um, a hope um, yeah. event, isn't it? And it's not yeah. just our church, although it'd be brilliant if everybody here came this afternoon. That'd be fantastic. It goes on from 3.30 and it finishes at 7, doesn't yeah. it? Holy Spirit winning, willing. But um, how are you involved, actually? Because it's this yeah. hope banner. How are you actually yeah. involved in, in hope? Yeah, well, look, what I love in our organisation, you know, no one group's ever going to do this. We, we've got to work together. You know, Jesus loves it when his people work together. And what I've enjoyed about being part of Hope is that it's a group of Christians from all over the United Kingdom finding a, a local expression in word and deed to reach the community. I saw the banner up there. Look at that great banner. <laughs> I heard some young people did that yeah. in 2008. So some of you were part of that in 2008. That's, that's a great job you've done there. You know, Roy Crown and, and Mike Palavacci and Andy Hawthorne were the three people that started Hope with another guy, Steve Clifford. But from that, it's just grown. And Roy thought it was just 2008, but he had this real sense that God was saying it hasn't finished yet. And so we've been moving towards 2014. And so what is going to happen across the country, our goal, how about this, is to have every church in the country doing at least two mission activities, helping the church to leave the building, to be in the community. And um, we've got some flyers that we can give you as you leave here. But what we're suggesting is what could you do at Lent or Easter next year at at Pentecost or some of the festivals. What about with Harvest and Thanksgiving? Next year's 100 years for the commemoration of the start of World War I. 
And so we're wanting to work out how can we be at the centre. Last year with the Jubilee, we were at the centre of the celebration. We had 750,000 Bibles that we handed out um, for 50p it was. And um, I couldn't believe it. There was no resistance. What can we do? We want to... We want the church for too long. We've missed the moment. But no, next year is a moment for us. Not just with um, remembrance, but also Advent and Christmas. And so hope, and I'm going to talk about it in a moment. Hope is a chance for the church to come together in word and deed, to be at the centre of the community. And so why we're here, we're travelling around the country at the moment, training people, and uh, we're really delighted to be here. You guys, I've got to tell you, the North is really different, isn't it? You guys are like <laughs> Australians. You're so friendly. You know, just, and even the feel in the church, it's just a pleasure to be here. But how do we take this hope and joy that we feel into the community? That's what hope's about. Come this afternoon if you can. But my hope will be that your church will really embrace hope as a chance for us to move into the community and be part of what God's doing in this nation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Let's just pray for Marty as he speaks, and then um, if somebody can flick the lights off so we can actually see, because we're having a clip, aren't we, about hope. So, Lord, we do thank Job, brothers and sisters, how do we bring the good news to this country? And in a way that gets us out of the building and into the community. And so hope next year is an opportunity for us to together... It's something good as um, Sally prayed for, for me, that Psalm 133. How good, how wonderful is when brothers and sisters dwell, live together in unity. There the Lord commands a blessing. And so we believe next year God's going to do something quite remarkable. Already, you know, one of the reasons we're here, we were living in Germany and... I don't know if you can feel this, where even when I say this, but people in continental Europe actually look across to England for ideas, for mission. Look, look what's happening with Alpha. Again, the other day, there was a 1,000 people lining up at Holy Trinity Brompton to sign up for the next Alpha course. Isn't that amazing? Messy Church. We're doing a partnership with Messy Church, and we do, get, do festivals, and then we get people to message. 1,500. 1,500. Messy churches, because you guys are taking it on. That's great, but you know, and and what we're seeing all over the country, the openness. Last year, was anybody down at the day of prayer at Wembley Stadium? It was a remarkable day, and they made an announcement. A guy who runs a, a had a big big vision for twenty four seven prayer. He said he told the story that last year, and they've got the statistics in, the church in the United Kingdom grew for the first time, I think in around about 40 years. So something is moving. We see such an openness. I think the church is just beginning to see what it can do as we work together. And we found that last year. When we worked at helping build community through the festivals and through the a whole range of things we did in More Than Gold, there was such an openness to what we were doing. And I think what's happening in our church, down in West Croydon, just in the middle of where the riots were, something new is building. There's a hope emerging. And uh, I was reminded this morning as we were praying that 
in uh, Colossians chapter 1, it talks about faith and love spring from hope. So this good news that has so changed our life, how can we bring this good news out of this building into the community? So that's what our job is. And so that's what hope is seeking to do. We have a, a, a massive book that is just full of ideas that you could be doing. Here's my challenge to each of you. What could the church be doing next year? This afternoon, if you come along to the training, we'll give you a whole range of ideas. We'll, you'll be able to buy, uh, buy the book very cheaply. But we're trying to resource local Christians to pick up with ideas that you can do as a church, but also we hope together. So we want to show the good news, but we want to know also how do we communicate? I remember a moment um, we'd uh, been in Australia, we'd been, I was doing a lot of youth work and we were in a school and uh, we had a lunchtime program and we had up to 200 young people would be coming along and, and uh, they all loved what we were doing and then we had a band that came and played uh, that night, or one Friday night and we invited all these young people and they came and the band were really on fire, I guess you could say. They were just preaching and they started saying, the guy said, if you leave here tonight and a bus runs you over and you haven't accepted Jesus, you'll go to hell. And he was really preaching like that. And I was feeling a little uncomfortable because it felt a bit over the top. Anyway, he gave an appeal. And I remember 25 young people walked through, walked to the front. And most of them had been part of our youth group. And I went, uh, had been part of this um, program that we had in the school. And I went up to one of them afterwards and said, what, what, what happened? And he said, I've been coming along for two years, but you've never given me a chance to respond. And I thought, yeah, you see, that's the danger, isn't it? We can make all this great contact and everyone claps us and say, gee, that church, wow, that URC church, everyone's so friendly and all that. But how do we move people the next step? Yeah, I think at many, many levels, for too long, we're trying to say to people, sometimes Jesus is the answer, they're still saying the question. I, I think the best way, and we're going to look at Jesus' way in a moment. I, I love hearing the story of a, a, a very quiet girl in America. She came to faith and they said to her, who was it that led you to the Lord? Was it um, this great footballer? No, she said it was this quiet Asian girl. She built a bridge from her heart to mine and Jesus walked across it. Yeah, I love that story, don't you? That's what I think our job is. So we build bridges. How do we do that? Well, let's, in a moment, what we want to do is look at the example of how Jesus did it, how he built a bridge in his contact. But um, before we do, um, could you, doing the overhead, could you um, put up on the verse... Uh, chapter John 4, verse 18. Oh, no, actually, don't put it up yet. Sorry. Don't, uh, when I tell you to put it up. Oh, sorry, here. Okay. Sorry, looking at you, going, no, no, it's not me. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay, so uh, we heard the other day about someone on their honeymoon. So a friend of mine, um, when he got married, it was a long time ago. He's actually just had his 80th birthday, so it was a long time ago when he got married. And telegrams. Do you remember telegrams? And uh, he... They, uh, 
they got in, they'd had the wedding and the reception and uh, they decided as they got in they'd read the telegrams. And so uh, someone had sent them the passage. They'd sent them, you know, all the best for a life together and they'd put John, uh, 1 John 4.18, which is perfect love casts out all fear. But unfortunately, the one was left out. And so the guy opened his Bible and said, this is the verse that, he, uh, that the wife read. Here it is. The fact is you've had five husbands <laughs> and the many you now have is not your husband. <laughs> she sort of looked at him and said, what's the what? And then he explained the one was left out. So anyway, um, so this example of Jesus is really... Can we go back now to the one, uh, to the, not one John, John chapter 4 uh, from verse 4 we've had read out. Now, I, there's a few things here that I want us to see. This is, this is an incredible model of sharing your faith because how this worked, Jesus just, he just was so comfortable with people. He just knew how to get alongside them. I mean, what do we know? Let's just get the background. He talked to this woman. First of all, in those days, did men talk often to women? It didn't happen much. Did they talk, did Jews talk much to Samaritans? Wow. In fact, most people, most Jewish people, if they were up the top, coming down to Jerusalem, they'd walk 50, 60 miles out of the way to avoid going to Samaria just to get to Jerusalem. Such was the the hostility between Jews and Samaritans. You know the story of the Good Samaritan. But not only then was she a woman, not only was she a Samaritan and he was a Jew, but she was a questionable woman. Most women, when they went to the well, they did it at the start of the day or at the end of the day. But it was at the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. So that's setting the scene. Another thing I want to say just as we set the scene. There's two words I want to just bring to you. Process and content. Content is all the words that you say when you communicate. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks. Uh, In Australia, we always say, g'day. What do you say when you first meet someone? Hiya. Do you say that? You know, like, so they're they're the words. But, But, you know, sometimes you can say to someone, hello, how are you? And they say to you, Yes, it is a nice day, isn't it? Now, you haven't even asked them that question, but somehow in that first moment when you communicate, it's not the content, it's the process. Process is 90% of the communication. Process is all the things around the words. Say, for example, in the, the process of a conversation, someone... You know, I meet you for the first time and I get your name and then someone comes along and you have to introduce them. Do you forget their name? You know, I have to do word associations, you know. Sally, Sally, yes, I remember it as Sally from years and so I, I remember like that. Well, do you know what they say, the social scientists who research this say that the reason that we don't remember at first is because what we are looking at is between here and here, looking to see, are they accepting me? It's all at a subconscious level. But there is so much that goes on in that moment when you first meet. 
that it's not the words you say, it's the process. What's the process here? Okay, just something I come up to. I'm going to teach you about the love of God if it's the last thing I do. Now, am I teaching him about the love of God? Well, the words, I'm going to teach him. But what did you pick up at a process level? Imagine if I'd actually, I didn't do this, but if I'd grabbed you by the, the shirt to do it. Do, do you see what I mean? Like, the words, my heart might be to teach you about the love of God, but the process is not that at all. And you know, 90% of communication is at a process level. People look at, you, you know, you can, have you ever seen street pe- preachers going for it? Now they're saying all the right words, and you probably would agree theologically. But I want to suggest to you that at a process level, people, what do they do? They sort of walk right around to avoid them, don't they? Because what can happen? You can, you know, sometimes with the best will in the world, you know what we can do? We can actually, our our communication, our process works against what we want to say. But what I want you to do is to look at how Jesus does it. Let's look at the Jesus way. And so that's why we want to look at this passage. So from verse 4, we, we see that, um, you know, he had to go through Samaria. He, he sits down at this well uh, from verse 6. Let's just keep going. The next part here. Uh, they were tired from the journey. It was about noon. The others, the, the disciples, all go off. Now Jesus, he sees this woman. She comes near to draw water. Now, isn't that interesting? Look what he does. Most men wouldn't talk. She was, as I said, a woman, a Samaritan, and she was out in the middle of the day. But look what Jesus says to her. Will you give me a drink of water? Now, There are the words, that's the content. But at a process level, what is Jesus saying here? What's he saying? What's he saying? Big pun? The fact he's speaking to her is something, yeah? But what else? He's helping her, yeah? He wants her help, yeah? That's great. What else? He's communicating. I actually think he's saying, I accept you. You know, now notice he doesn't say, I'm the Messiah. Because I don't think she was quite ready to hear this. But look at the first thing he does. This is so important. Look, in the first interaction, your first interaction is so important. When you first meet someone, a smile. You know, we, we have at our church a guy, Andy. When, it, when you come to church, he, he just gives you a smile, gives all the ladies a kiss, but he's so friendly, you just feel welcome. Do you, do you mean, I, I love coming in here this morning. There was, we were early, but there was a nice feel. People came and said hello. You were so friendly to me. Lots of people came and said hello. That just really helps. That initial communication is so important, isn't it? Well, look at Jesus. He reaches out. He asks for help. And he says, I accept you. Look at the woman's response. Huh? He's, they just remind you, the disciples have gone to town. The Samaritan woman said to him, what? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How, how can you ask me for a drink? Do you see how shocked she is? She's shocked by the process. Jesus did something. It's like he broke all the rules. 
but it was because the love of God compelled him to do it. And so he, he just reached out. And then, let's see what happens next. Just in case you missed it, John writes, for Jews, do not associate with Samaritans. You already knew that, but John wants you to know what a shock it is that Jesus would do something like this. And then Jesus, you know what he does? He takes this woman on a dance. He's unbelievable. Just watch the way he does it. Look, he answered her, look, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he's, he's built a bridge, right? That, can you give me a drink of water? She's, she responds and, and asks, what, what, what are you doing talking to me? And so Jesus then. Now, you know, like sometimes, as Christians, we break all the rules in communication, you know? Hello, how are you? Do you know God personally? What can happen? Do you, do you know what I mean? It's not, of course we want them to know, but we've got to do that bridge building. We've got to be able to say, hello, how are you? Talk about the weather. Now, no one's given me, reminded me of this, but maybe, I don't know if you're into it, but yesterday, Australia beat the Lions in rugby. Yay! <laughs> I was tempted to wear my Australian jersey because... It's not, going to be an, it's not going to be a good summer for us with the ashes, so I'm trying to make the most of it now. You know? But there's something about sport that is a great way to communicate. Last year with the Olympics in London, I've got to tell you, I don't know how it was up here, but people who would never talk to each other, on the trains, on the buses, yay, when, when the UK won 29 gold medals, how did you win that many? You know? We didn't even get half of that. But, but wasn't there an incredible vibe, the feeling in the nation. Wasn't it wonderful? Well, it's such a great opportunity, you see, to be there, to build that community. And so what Jesus is aware of is he's building this bridge to her. He's, he's actually communicating. And so he talks about God and living water, and then she, her, look at her response. Well, what, what, you've got nothing to draw with. The well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave the well and drank from it himself. and Also his sons and his livestock. Next one, please. Uh, and then Jesus' response. Ah, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty. But whoever drinks the water I give, they'll never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And look at her response. Gee, it's great. Give me this water. I, I, I don't want to keep getting thirsty and keep coming here to draw water. You know, so do you see the way in which Jesus is engaging with her? He's really building a great platform with her. And so then it's like he tests, jumping on the bridge. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's what I didn't do with those young people. We just had all these great relationships, but I never gave them an opportunity to respond. So the relationship's building nicely, and then there comes a moment. Jesus is jumping on the bridge. Have you ever done that with your friends? You're all getting on well, but don't you think sometimes you can say, do you ever think much about church or Christianity or God? It's a real, it's, a, it's sometimes hard, but, but Jesus knew that that's important to do. You've got to have the bridge strong enough. The bridge was strong enough. So Jesus says to her, oh, um, 
Why don't you call your husband and come back? I'm sure she looks down. I actually have no husband. So Jesus says, well, you're right. And uh, then that passage, verse uh, 18, you know, you have five husbands, the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Now, she didn't feel threatened. She didn't feel condemned. In fact, look what she says. Wow, sir, I can see you're a prophet. Keep going. And then, and then she thinks prophet. Ah, she says, oh, our ancestors worship on this mountain. You Jews claim this place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. It's almost like, well, you Jews believe this, us Samaritans believe this. It's always to God. Have you ever heard that? You know, people say, oh, it's all... But Jesus wouldn't... It's like a bit of a, a red herring, trying to take Jesus off. But no, Jesus, he knew what his job was in this moment. And he really jumps on the bridge again and he takes her a next step. Woman, he says, believe me, a time's coming... When you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time's coming, has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. And they're the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God's spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus was speaking incredible truths. The woman heard it. Look at her response. Isn't it beautiful? I know the Messiah is coming. Wow. What does Jesus do in this moment? Let's look. The next words. And when he comes, he'll explain everything. (laughs) This is his moment. Isn't it beautiful? I that speak to you am he. I'm the one speaking to you. I'm the Messiah. You see, why could he now say it? Because he'd built this relationship. Do you see what he'd done? He'd he'd jumped on the bridge. He'd had this conversation. And now the moment came. And he says, I that speak to you am he. (laughs) Have you ever been in the middle of a really important moment? And then suddenly, people just turn up. And you go, oh, well, Jesus is not worried. Look, just then, the disciples returned. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what are you doing? They sort of probably a bit used to Jesus like this. Uh, they didn't ask, what are you doing? Why are you talking with her? Uh, what does the woman do? This is so interesting. He leaves, uh, sh- sorry, she leaves a water jar. She goes back to the town. And she says to people... Come and see the man who's told me everything I ever did. Well, did he tell her everything he ever, she had ever done? No, but it felt like that for her because somehow in the communication of Jesus, she felt seen, loved, and her life could never be the same again. Can we jump a couple of verses there? Oh, then she says, could this be the Messiah? And then Jesus talked, he gets encouraged to eat, let's keep going. Um, you know, that great line, I have food you don't know anything about. And then Jesus speaks to them about the harvest coming. We don't have time to look at that. That's fantastic stuff. Um, okay, next one. Uh, next one after this. Okay, many, look, look at the response from this one woman. Look at the difference. Many of the Samaritans in the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And then, look at verse 40. When the Samaritans came to him, 
They urged him to stay with them. He stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Isn't that beautiful? I love this story. Why? Because somehow Jesus' words communicated such love. He built the bridge. He didn't. Imagine if when he first met her, you know, he's there. Remember his words are, can you give me a drink of water? If he said, I'm the Messiah, what do you think she would have thought? Are you crazy? But 10 minutes later when he says it, she, she just she goes off running down the town saying, I've met the Messiah. I've met the man who knows everything about me. So, as I finish up today, I challenge you, brothers and sisters, how can you use all the resources and the work that you're doing to move beyond just deed, but to look at how we can share our faith. I bet there's opportunities that are there at work, at school, playgroups, wherever you are, just to, to do a bit of bridge jumping. You know, what I love about our festivals, if you're coming this afternoon, we'll be talking a bit about community festivals. We do everything for free, but we say, people say, why are you doing this? Why is it for free? We say, well, it's just like God's love. We find ways to build those bridges so that Jesus can walk from our heart to theirs. That's how we can share the good news. It's such a beautiful, gentle way. You know what I love about this story? I feel relieved when I hear that story. It's more who I am. You know, I know some people, if you go to Africa, you'll see people preaching on the street corner and within that culture, it seems to work. But over here in the United Kingdom and certainly in Australia, it's not something that I feel comfortable with. It doesn't feel that it works within our community. Now, I don't know how you do it, but I want to encourage you to find a way to do it in the Sally way, you know, in a Jenny way, in a Marty way. Find an expression of how you can do it. But you have to be out there in the community to get to know people. You know what one of the dangers is? In church, we can have prayer meetings Monday night, Tuesday nights, uh, another community meeting, Wednesday nights, worship. You know, and that this becomes our life and that we don't even know people in the community. I want to challenge you. Who are you praying for? Who are you longing to? This good news that has so changed your life. Will you recognise when the woman of the world comes to speak to you? She was just ready to hear. She was a broken lady. And she just wanted someone to love her. And Jesus did that. Brothers and sisters, God has no hands but your hands, no feet but your feet. He's choosing to use us to bring this good news that has so changed our life into the community. That's what hope's about. Getting out into the community in word and deed. Following the example of Jesus at the woman at the well. So, I know I've probably even spoken too long. You've been really patient. That was a long passage, wasn't it? But you know what I'd like you to do? Just in groups of two or three, just as we finish, you know what I'd love to ask you? What, if anything, have you found helpful from today? You know, just sometimes... You might talk about it afterwards, but I'm asking you to do it amongst yourselves. Do that. 
And then ask yourself, is there someone that you can think that you'd really like to have a conversation with this week or in the coming weeks when you next see them? To move to a next step. I think of our next door neighbour, Neil. We run street parties. We have a great relationship. But I, wanna, I want to really get to know Neil and introduce him to Jesus. Who is there in your community that you'd like to just pass this good news on to? You know, you know in a way that's you, not trying to be someone else. Okay? So can you just do that in groups of two or three or four, turn around. Just don't do it with your husband or wife or someone well you know, you know. Just chat with them. What did you find helpful? Is there anyone that you think you'd love to talk with? Okay? Just for a few minutes and then I'm going to pray. Okay? Just find someone. How did you find today? Okay, that's great. Okay, just as we finish then. Well done, good on you. That was, that was good. Thank you. So two things. Here's my challenge. Can you pray for someone over this next month that God will give you an opportunity to be able to talk with them? Would you pray for that? You know, that you'd move to the front foot. You'd do what Jesus did. Recognise the process, move forward. That's the first thing. The second thing is, if you've been listening today, and you think, wow, this good news that, you know, worshipping spirit and truth, this good news that, that this guy's speaking about, I don't know if I really know it myself. If you would love to have it come and talk to me afterwards or just talk to Sally or Andrew or someone here about, I, I want to move the next step. I've been a bit like the woman at the well, a bit on the edge. But as she found life, I too want to find life. I'd like to encourage you to come and have a chat after this and we can pray and talk with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible example of you at work. Jesus, you're, you're amazing. You, you knew what was needed in that moment and you loved that lady and she felt your love. She felt it so much that she felt you knew everything about her and indeed you did. But you, you still protected her and respected her and you took her on an incredible journey that she responded to you. And not only did she respond to you, but she told all the friends and they also responded to you. We know there's a lot of people like that woman at the well out there and we're sorry that sometimes we can miss it. And I pray that you give us an opportunity over these coming days and weeks to look for our woman at the well and, and just communicate and take them on a journey with you, Father. And also, you know, if there's people here who, oh, they've, they've been on the edge, they're questioning, they've been looking. And it's like Jesus, you're saying, come on in. The water's fine, it's great. Come and get to know me. Out of your heart can flow rivers of living water. I want to give you life in all its fullness. Help us to have the courage to respond and to do what we know you're asking. So thanks, Father, for this journey that we're on together. We love you. We're so glad for what you're doing in our life. Come, take hold of it. Speak to us, I pray. We love you, God.